Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. Today's conversation is with Ian Westerman of Essential Tennis. Ian is a passionate, lifelong tennis coach with over 20 years of experience helping club players reach their goals. A pioneer in online tennis learning, Ian launched the first ever tennis instruction podcast in 2008 and began his YouTube channel in 2009, which has almost 300,000 subscribers. Ian joins us in this conversation to talk about how he got to where he is and possibly even what's next. Have a listen and let us know what you think. Who is Ian Westerman and why do we care? <laughs> um, yeah, so I started online content in 2008 is when I started the podcast. I started the YouTube channel in 2009. And back then I was just a lowly staff, you know, teaching professional. I was on the court 40, 45 hours a week. And I honestly thought that was going to be my career for the rest of my life. And I started that in 2004 after graduating from Ferris State University's professional tennis management program. So I, since I was 14, 15, I knew tennis was going to be what I did the rest of my life. I thought it was going to be as a traditional coach. But as I got through more and more repetition and years in like a club environment, honestly, I just got more and more frustrated with the friction that I felt between my passion for teaching and students passion for learning didn't just it just didn't seem to be on the same level and of course i had percentage of my clients that totally matched with me and it was fantastic that was probably 15 or 20 percent of my hours which in hindsight i was very fortunate to have that many but the other 80 percent felt like they were showing up for some reason other than stepping outside their comfort zone learning new skills and actually doing something different than what they were used to doing and that's really what motivated me to start publishing content. And I have been doing it full time now since 2011. Uh, Bobby, he just, he speaks to us, right? It's, I mean, having been, having been at the country club and having run a small club and then, I mean, it's just, we, we know all those thoughts. And then you think back and you think, man, those times on court and you think sometimes like, okay, am I just, am I just taking the money? You're not really here to learn. You're not really interested in being here for the coaching why are you even here but then hey this is my job and you're a client so we we find that balance in and it sounds like you get that and you moved from I, i've got to go back and say okay you graduated 2004 from ferris state that's correct yep so you move into online instruction and that's most of what i would guess most people know you that way meaning we go through a few hundred clients a year as tennis coaches but you've got hundreds of thousands of subscribers online. What, is, what was that like in the beginning where you say, okay, you were one of the first to start doing this online instruction. If you started a podcast in 2008, we basically had Adam Curry and then you. It sounds like from a podcasting schedule point of view. But online instruction, how did you, how did you think even that was going to work? Did you know you were going to do the courses and the packages? But how did you figure out how to do it well? Maybe that's the question. 
Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, my biggest blessing is that I started so early in the whole uh, content, you know, game. I got the idea. I was at the time I was teaching at a private club in DC, and I had about a forty-five minute best case scenario commute in each direction. I got sick of the radio. I started listening to podcasts, and they revolved around topics like personal finance and uh, how to uh, live your dream job, uh, tech and like uh, tech news and like gadgets and stuff like that. And so as I was listening to these podcasts, it occurred to me that, well, these people have a passion around some kind of topic. They are putting out regular content, they're growing an audience. And then sometimes it was through advertisers, sometimes it was through merchandise, sometimes it was through courses in the in the case of the internet marketing podcast that I listened to. And when I looked on iTunes for a tennis podcast, I couldn't find one in 2005, six, seven while I was commuting. And so eventually uh, the thought just popped into my head, well, why, A, why is nobody doing this in tennis? And B, why don't I give it a shot? Um, I started with the podcast, which is very easy compared to video, got the wheels rolling there. And honestly, it was just crickets uh, early on. The bad news is there was no path to follow. Uh, the good news is there was no competition. And so it was kind of just a wide open space, kind of wild west still on uh, those, plat those content platforms. And so just the fact that I put anything out with some kind of regularity, with some kind of uh, uh, energy and like passion behind it meant that I got traction and I grew an audience. And so the business model part of it took three and a half years. Between when I first started publishing stuff and when I actually figured out how to monetize, took a little bit over three years. And during that period of time, I was just putting out as much free stuff as I could while I was still on the court 40, 45 hours a week. Bobby, why didn't we start our podcast in 2008? What were we even doing then? I had just gotten married, so that, that was a big mistake. That I was <laughs> and there went the podcast time. There went the podcast. I, I had a, a baby girl and a, a new wife. So I started late and yeah, that's right. Over two, she was just I began to be the chauffeur right around then. So yeah. And you still are. So now yeah, I still am. <laughs> 18 and I'm still chauffeuring around. So yes. Uh-huh. So 2008, that starts. You figure all this out and you say, okay, we can you you take that somebody else's business model and you bring it into tennis. Is that essentially you say, okay, these other people are doing it this way. You bring it into tennis, which means you're the type maybe like us that can say, hey, just because tennis does it one way doesn't mean we shouldn't do it like these other guys who are actually good at it. Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, in a nutshell, the guy that will have so Will Hamilton, who runs Fuzzy Yellow Balls, he was the first one to go really hard into the Internet marketing space and start borrowing from the business models and the tactics and the strategies that that they were using over in like the how to make money online space and the original guy that he started following and then very shortly after i started following his name jeff walker and his product was called the product launch formula which is kind of funny to think about like his product is about how to launch products and he would launch that product and just make tons and tons of money and so will and i were going to his conferences, we were consuming his product. And it was kind of through that internet marketing style of packaging content and selling it through a specific marketing process 
where we were finally able to start creating some some significant revenue. Until uh, up until that point, I tried advertisers, I I tried you know T-shirts, I tried donation model, I I tried you know every other kind of monetization I could think of, but nothing really got a whole lot of traction or brought in a substantial amount of revenue until courses started taking off. And for me, that was in 2010 that I created my first course. The second version of my first course I launched in early 2011, and when that result came in, that's when I quit my job and said, you know what, I'm just going to give it a shot and see what happens. And went in full time and said, this is going to be my thing. Yep. Yeah. I told myself if, uh, if this promotion brings in $20,000, then I'm going to quit and just like give it a shot. And it ended up bringing in 80. And so I was like, all right, like, I know I can go back and get another teaching job. Uh, I felt very confident about my ability to to interview and provide value to a club and a program. So I was like, worst case scenario. And by the way, I had a one-year-old um, at the time uh, when I quit my job. So it wasn't a non uh, it wasn't a non-pressure, you know, decision. Um, but I felt like I had enough confidence in my ability to go back and get a normal job that and I also knew that 10 years down the road, if I didn't give it a shot. I would really, really be kicking myself. So I decided to just give it a try and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the pressure that says, okay, which one do I want? Do I want the regret of having never tried? Or mm -hmm. am I going to put my family at risk? Because I, I think back to my father, and he tells us a few stories. He said there were two or three times that I thought about just jumping into certain things, and I just couldn't do it. I had two kids, and you know, there are just certain things he just chose not to do. And we talk about that a lot, Bobby, where Bobby and I and my wife are the managing team. And we say, hey, you know what, what are the things we're going to jump into? How much time can we decide we're going to do this? Because we all have our jobs. We all have our kids. We have our families. But how much can we put in good content? How, can, how much can we help people? And you hit a heyday of 2018, 2019, where you were just... You had a full staff, and how did how did you, how did that work? That was you had your own tennis court. I mean, you were killing mm -hmm. it at one point, right? Yeah, I reached a certain point where. So the first three years after I quit my job, I would call, just kind of coasting, where, it was just trying to figure out is this model actually going to work long term? It was it was kind of um, figuring out uh, the business model. Is this sustainable? Like, is this even going to work? And with just myself working on the business, we reached, I, I reached a plateau like revenue wise pretty quickly. And then it leveled out from there. And I started having the thought kind of, kind of similar like mindset. Well, I could probably just keep doing this by myself, like in a spare bedroom and make it work. And like, I see like the model is here and I'm, I'm you know, gaining traction in terms of building like a, a loyal following that appreciates what I'm doing. They're supporting me consistently, you know, financially. Or I could start building things bigger than myself and create a, a team around what I'm doing, hire people that are better at editing, that are better at customer service, that are better than web development, that are better than, you know, better at the graphics and like all that other sort of stuff and see if we can make this like significantly better, bigger than what I can do by myself. Um, so that started in uh, 2014. I hired my first full-time uh, video editor 
And we were kind of off to the races from there. After, after getting a couple people on board on the video side of things, I started thinking, well, I can only make so much content. So if I can bring on other coaches and maybe kind of try to clone myself in terms of the presentation and the content creation and the course creation, then why can't we just keep making this bigger and bigger and build the brand of Essential Tennis as opposed to it being just like the Ian show, having all of us be unified under one roof in terms of our methodology and our approach to content or approach to coaching. And so for a uh, solid like six years that worked and we kept growing and we kept scaling. And then that bubble kind of popped, I would say in like mid 2020. I was gonna say, when... let me guess, somewhere summer 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I feel like something happened right yeah. around there that kind of disrupted a bunch of stuff. And then things started to decline. And I, um, it definitely wasn't a COVID thing. Like at first that actually gave us a boost because tennis was kind of the official socially distanced like activity that people could go out and do. So we actually saw a big uptick in our organic uh, views and traffic in the summer of 2020. And I think it was B, there was a lot of coaches that were trying to figure out what the hell do I do uh, sitting at home because their clubs were closed or even their outdoor like municipal like uh, courts were like shut down and, and locked. And so I think there was a big entry for coaches coming into content around that time. And the audience and kind of eyeballs started spreading out a little bit more. And then things started winding down for us. And I feel like our, uh, our spot towards the top of the mountain in terms of like the keyword uh, uh, search results and stuff like that started slowly kind of winding down around that time. All right, Bobby, I've been monopolizing the time. I know you want to, I know you want to talk to Ian too. So what, what do you got? I've, I've gotten us up to Ian's heyday. And then the time I want also, I'll eventually ask like what's next for Ian, but I want to let you, uh, jump in because I've been monopolizing the conversation so far. Oh, no, no problem. I've enjoyed it. And, and to prove I've been listening, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. First thing, were you at uh, Ferris with Tom Daglas? Yeah. So I actually you went share, that's another past. while I was there. You, you share that with Sean. That's how Sean and I met. Tom was our tester, our USPT. Our tester, yeah. So I thought that's right around the time that Tom was at, at Ferris. So but we have another person that we share. Uh, when you started, when your podcast was focusing on coaching. That was the, the the focus of you know where you were going with it. Yeah. So my core itch that I was trying to scratch was my dissatisfaction with the passion that my students had to want to learn. So I, I from my like selfish like perspective, I just wanted to spend time making stuff, spending time with people that valued insight like beneath the surface i would say like everybody everybody that all of us work with like on the court they've all heard you know the bend your knees and over your shoulder and keep your eye on the ball um sadly that those things those like cliche phrases continue to be like a large like staple in our industry uh but i wanted to spend time with people that were tired of that and wanted something completely different that took them out of their comfort zone and got them growing like as a player. And so that was kind of my main motivation was I wanted to attract more people that valued that thought process, like essentially a growth mentality as a, as a tennis student. And so that's what really kind of lit a fire under my ass was I, I need to build like this 
community of people that value what I value so that we can kind of nerd out together on how to get better at tennis. Now, I might be jumping a little bit here, but because you do use a lot of familiar words, you're looking to change. And I love the out of the box. And that's one of the things I I tell my student, you're never going to get better until you're willing to fail and go out of your comfort zone. So aren't we really talking about human nature and, and trying to get them to embrace a little bit different as or perspective on life? Yes, it's rare. And that's maybe the thing that I'm most grateful. Like the fact that it ever worked at all blows my mind. Like you looking back, I really didn't know. I really had no idea if it was going to lead to any kind of business that actually could like support my family. Just the fact, like I remember incredibly clearly the first listener submitted question that came in from the podcast and it blew my mind that somebody listened to the episode, got to the end of it, wrote down the email address and sent me a question so that I could help them like with their tennis. That like motivated me and inspired me so much that somebody else out there, not only, and I'm sure you guys have been through this same experience like many times when you put content out there it's kind of like a an echo signal like going out and a certain percentage of your energy that you throw out there is going to come back to you again and the fact that anybody out there listened to what i had to say and was like yeah i'll take some more of that like i i want more discomfort i want more challenge i want more like growth in my life there's no question that's a small subset of the general human population and I think that's a large reason why we have such a generic surface level, like echo chamber of like tennis coaching, because the students only want to be challenged so much. The coaches get good at providing that kind of surface level service. Uh, the students are like, thank you very much. Here's my money. And then there's this like vicious cycle of mediocrity that feeds back on itself like year after year after year. And I, I appreciate the fact you're courageous enough to say all this out loud. I watched <laughs> one of your videos when you were t- telling the people about the different stages of learning. And I was like, I love it. And I completely get it. But boy, oh boy, you're going to, you're going to hit a few people a little close to home because you're talking about their behavior. And that's all. And that's the, thought, the, the line we walk really. But like you said, I, I, I'm looking for the person who wants to learn like you. It's like, Hey, I want to be as excited as you are to learn as you know so i get that way to coach so i completely get it as i said always loved what you did and and i will say from just an observer and when sean told me he made contact with you i was excited because i was like out of all the guys that are doing this i've always appreciated your and i felt like it was an ego trip it was a sincerity and i think that comes across so taking that when you said when you start to get successful that that's what we always talk about where are we going to find the secret sauce was it consistency you know, just being it there and through just being there every week and saying the things and people start to realize, hey, this is coming from the heart. This is what this guy's all about. I want to hear what else he has to say. And is there anything that you can look at hindsight and say outside of COVID and just changing? Was there something that happened that we sat there and said, oh, that might have been a misstep that could, you know, that could have been avoided? In terms of my content strategy or business strategy? Yeah, just you know, continuing on. You know, how do you keep it fresh? You know, and how do you anticipate where, and this is the difficult part about any business when you're trying to scale it. Like you said, no matter what you were talking about in video, I go through and I had a tennis management company where we tried to run different facilities. And like you said, how do we clone ourselves? It's a labor intensive business. They would hire PTM or ERS tennis and they thought they were getting me. 
and somebody else would go in and say, well, we, well, no, you hired the company, you know, I, I'll be there. You're going to see me. But so, you know, stuff that, that is obviously on both sides of our business, you know, but like I said, you guys did a fantastic job of always presenting a course or instruction that was sincere. And it said, we're doing this as much. And it, I don't think it's a bad thing to say because we enjoy it and we enjoy teaching and hopefully we will, you know, you get the same effect by watching. Yeah. So first of all, I want to just reflect back the uh, respect towards you guys. It's one thing for me. I've been outside the machine. Like I've been outside the system for 15 years now. And so I can say whatever I want without worrying about a director of tennis or a uh, tennis committee, like chairperson or, you know, uh, members like being offended. The fact that you guys are sitting here and you can't be fully transparent and, and, but the fact that you're being at least partially transparent, you can't say whatever you want, obviously, because you have to go back to your clubs and uh, stay employed. Um, the fact that you are pushing the envelope, like in this platform, um, I really respect a lot while being inside the industry. So I wish more uh, people would, would do the type of thing that you're doing here. Uh, secondly, going back to your uh, question, having uh, done it so long, there's over 2000 free videos on our YouTube channel. And there is a cycle of burnout that I've been through a couple of times now, where I chase the words, the titles, the, the search terms that I know will give views. And that's what grows like our audience. And there's a Venn diagram like overlap between what people want to watch and what's like sexy and very like click worthy and what I want to talk about which is um, much more growth oriented and more nerdy and much more beneath the surface. And also like countercultural, like it kind of goes against the, the words and the phrases and the methodology of a normal tennis lesson, which as we've already discussed, isn't necessarily for growth. It's like for some, it's for entertainment or exercise or social socialization or something else. So um, in that like Venn diagram, like overlap between what's very clickable and what, makes me feel um, fulfilled and like happy and satisfied that I spent time talking about that. Um, I kind of used up that little sliver over the years a couple of times and retreated back into like what just what I want to talk about, even though it doesn't get the clicks. And I went through one of those cycles right about at that peak in 2020, where I got tired of chasing the views and the clicks. And I started just making videos that I wanted to make and on topics that I wanted to talk about. And it was bad timing. I feel like that was right about when we hit kind of uh, a new level of saturation in terms of number of coaches uploading numbers, uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of more like uploads per day of like coaching instruction. And um, had, I think to keep the machine rolling in the positive direction it was going in, we would have had to stick hardcore to the the greatest hits, you know, like when <laughs> when Neil Diamond, you know, sings, uh, you know, Sweet Caroline for, you know, the 10 millionth time. Like, I, I respect that so much that he's able to just stick to uh, like what everybody wants to hear instead of I, I'm sure at some point he's wanted to sing something else. 
Um, <laughs> and I've kind of gone through that cycle of like topic burnout several times. And um, it's necessary, I think, just to be able to stick with the game and keep clicking upload. But balancing that with like, how do I cash flow a business is a tricky kind of tightrope uh, to walk. So with your clientele, where would you say, were they across the board level player? Was it a higher level player? Was it the recre recreational player looking for a pill? Where, where did you find your, you know, what did you see your audience as? Yeah, my, I have a very narrow uh, avatar that I'm targeting. And thankfully I've, I've been, I've stuck to my guns enough in terms of like what I want to talk about that I almost never get a student that shows up. I mean, it's been years, honestly, since I've had a student that showed up looking for a pill. And I, I thank God for that. Like every time I go out onto the court and it's another person who's there for the same reason that I'm there, um, that's such a huge blessing. But in a nutshell, my core follower is somebody who is, I would say average age is probably around 50, um, 50, 55. It's not our average like viewer um, age, but average person who actually invests in time to like come work with me and like buys courses and stuff like that is somebody who's been in the sport for usually a couple decades, probably started when they were like in their teens or 20s, played for a while, took a break because of career and family, picked it back up again. And now they've been playing for five years, they've been back maybe 10 years, and they've been stuck and plateaued for at least two or three. They've taken lessons from every coach in their local area um, that's available to them at every local club, and nobody can give them the answer that satisfies them about why they're not improving anymore. And that that's the person who comes to work with me. So in a nutshell, um, like they've been around the block a bunch of times, they've tried all their local resources and service providers, um, they're not improving, and they want to know the answer, why am I still a three five so but you're not giving yourself nearly enough credit they're coming to see you yeah it, you know tennis is the this this the situation you guys share but it's about what you're saying and the way you're saying it especially being an older person who not going to get sold as easily they're appreciating the sincerity you're bringing to it and and using taboo words like oh effort means something not who's on the other side of the court it's about how much you want to put into it is going to determine how good you get. And those are tough words. Like you said, there's, there's everybody's out there for a different reason. And you, you got to find it, you know, obviously strike the chord that hits the most, but you want it to resonate with one or two. And it, you know, it, it is a good business model, frankly. I mean, I, I think, you know, you go through ups and downs, but I, I'd be shocked. Because I got to believe that your core followers are extraordinarily loyal. Yeah, they are. And I, I try to pinch myself and remind myself on a regular basis exactly what you just said. I try very hard to keep reminding myself so I don't take it for granted that we do share in that passion for uh, challenge and discomfort and growth and whatever other you know word you want to uh, put to it. They want to know the truth. And I, in a nutshell, I think the, the core service that I provide is I provide the truth. Um, when they go take a one hour lesson from the staff professional, you know, down the road, as I described before, that coach is used to providing a particular type of service that's wrapped in a particular way designed to give a particular person 
certain number of steps, a certain level of heart rate, and a certain like number of tips per hour where they feel like they got a lot of value out of it. <clears throat> and what I provide is in a lot of ways the exact opposite of that. And so anytime somebody goes to the trouble of coming out to the middle of nowhere, aka Wisconsin, and they want to really know like what's behind the curtain and find out what's really holding them back, even if it's really bad news, even if it's like, dude, you're, and it usually is, by the way, your habits are way worse than you think because yeah. they haven't seen themselves on video before. They haven't seen themselves slowed down before. And so I respect anybody who puts themselves in that position tremendously, especially there's cameras all around the court and they know they're being recorded and they still come out and put themselves in that position. And so I, I need to, I try hard to keep reminding myself of that, um, but I, I need to do it more, frankly. And I, I like, sorry, Bobby, I like that he says, I provide the truth, but it's an interesting struggle from a business point of view, because he also said when he started talking about what he really wanted to talk about, the whole thing start, stopped working. <laughs> it was like, I still need to, it's like in Atlanta, Bobby, what we do, you, you got to teach the ladies out to teams or you're going out of business whether you love it or not. Maybe we all want to do this one thing. I specialize in what I specialize in, but I got to go do the thing that pays the bills. And I think that's interesting that some of, sometimes we get to do what we want, but the rest of the time we do what we have to. So I'm curious, Bobby, if you're going to ask, because that kind of that last step of saying, okay, all right, Ian, I did watch your most recent video and that dates this, this podcast specifically, but... I did watch your most recent video and I'm curious if you know what's next for you, because as you said, the online space got really saturated. That's why Bobby and I said, we're not worried about creating content because the content's already there. Our question is, can we help aggregate the content for those that are our audience and say, okay, you know what? Ian's got, we, we think Ian's here, right? And we got these other people that are creating content and it's already there. Like you said, 2,300 videos at least on on your youtube channel just as an example but what's next for essential tenants what do you what do you think happens and i don't want you to give away any secret that you've figured out for your online content providing competitors but i'm just curious what what do you what do you see in the future because you've been in this space so to speak as long as will hamilton and that's a long time yeah, I guess we're both getting kind of old now. Yeah, it, it has it has been a long time. Uh, so Let first me of just all, put something in perspective for you, real quick. Ian. Uh, you graduated in two thousand and four. <laughs> I graduated a few years earlier than that. So don't worry, you still got plenty of time. You're hitting your your second stride. <laughs> I had that. I had that coming. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder. I appreciate that. So a, don't sell yourselves short, like the two of you it feels like everything that could possibly be said about tennis has already been said. And to a certain degree, that's true. And that, that's accurate. Like you can only make so many videos about forehand power and like the kinetic chain before you start going a little bit, a little bit nuts, like just speaking from personal experience. So, but that being said, you two have a particular life experience, like a set of experiences that has kind of brought you to where you are now as a human being. And there are certain people out there that will resonate very strongly, not because you necessarily tell them anything new or different or even necessarily insightful, but because you go about it a particular way, communicate in a certain style, 
that resonates with a certain type of person. And so I want you to, and everybody else listening to hear loud and clear that while it is very crowded and it is very saturated, there will always be room for individual voices as long as they're consistent and they're clear about their values and what is important to them and what lights them up and what kind of fulfills them as a creator and as a coach and as a service provider. Um, there will always be little niche, like sub audiences that can be grown that still provide a lot of value back and forth, value coming from the creator and value bouncing back from the, from the audience. So it's much harder now than it was 15 years ago to grow an audience, but that doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile. And so I, I respect you guys a lot for doing this, even though you see that how much competition there is, but I, I just hope people who feel like they provide a unique perspective don't get too discouraged from just making an effort because it is in my experience it's very very much worth it not just from a scratching the itch perspective and like just feeling good to get certain things off your your chest but when you can have those things get off your chest and then resonate strongly with and improve the lives and the games of other people around the world that's just such an incredible opportunity that I wouldn't want anybody to miss out on just because they feel like it's too late. So anyway, um, sorry, a little bit of a side uh, rant there. In terms of like moving forwards, what I'm personally kind of settling back into is, um, I guess I would say in the last like 12 months, it's been a process for me coming to terms with letting that growth dream kind of die. <laughs> and I don't mean, I don't mean that like necessarily a morbid sense where it's like, who knows, like, who knows, like, I, I hopefully I'm doing this for another 10, 20, you know, years on the internet and hope, and I fully understand that we might have another wave. I know things are cyclical, um, in business in general, and they're cyclical on the internet. So I'm not trying to make it sound like it's, uh, like, uh, woe is me or like pessimistic or anything like that. But the reality is a lot has unwound for my business in the last like three years. And it's taken some time for me to process through that and just sit and be okay with looking back and, and um, letting go of like the picture I had in my mind three, four or five years ago is, is for the time being it's on the shelf. And so that's been a process. Um, letting go of that and then figuring out what do I really want to do um, has has been a kind of a journey for me. And I would say just in the last two, three months, I've settled back into being comfortable with the idea that I like making things. I like providing resources that are helpful and valuable for other people. I love the reciprocity of like putting those things out there into the open and then receiving back appreciation and and money from other people that like value it and want to uh, purchase other resources or like my time, that feedback loop of creation and publishing and reciprocity really brings me a lot of happiness and a lot of fulfillment. And more and more on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm trying to just remind myself of that very simple basic idea and get back on the horse again in terms of just putting in the reps and putting out the content. And it's hard when all the graphs are like going down into the right to get back on the horse, but I'm just making the conscious decision to do that and just go back to basics and start clicking upload as often as possible, trying new things and 
see what happens just on a day-to-day -day basis. You can't be responsible, but the world has gone batshit crazy as well over the, <laughs> the time period that oh you're, you're, you're talking about. I mean, we're in a completely cuckoo. And, and again, and, and that's a fine line, as you said, about clicks and everything. Listen, I'm a back in the day, I was a poli sci guy. That was my major communications. I was going to write for a guy that ultimately became vice president of the United States. I bite my lip on a daily basis on what I see. And this is for everybody. I'm, I'm not particular about who I, you know, who I support. And it's, I just think the whole process has gone to Hades in a handbasket. And like you said, I, I, I'm not good at extrapolating. The, the difference, I, I won't speak for Sean, but the, the easy part for me about doing this is I derive great enjoyment. We, you know, we have a good time. Sean's a friend. Uh, I'm fairly ignorant, so I, I don't look at you know the, the big picture, and maybe that's why we're not quote unquote as successful as we want to be. But we do it for sincerity, and hopefully it translates into some. But you know, again, listening to you talk, it just makes me sound like you know part of it. We got to shake the people a little bit, and and that's the fine line. If like you said, what we try to do, we try to poke the bear a little bit. There, it, to me, there's tennis is just reflective of any big bureaucracy where it's gone. So you, you just, you can take tennis and substitute it for something else. And we're not that far off. Okay. You know, it, the, the amount of money might be different. The amount of power might be different, but the outcomes are not that different. So we're talking about life and it's a, uh, it's tough when you, when you do it. And, and one of the things that's helpful for us is we have each other and we have other people involved. And again, I thought that was great. What you did that you brought more people in to your videos rather than, you know, you see so many people say, I'm the star, I'm doing this, but th then the clock is ticking. If you're the only reason people are coming, it's just human nature. We're, we're eventually going to get bored and feel like we heard everything. And you were, you shared the spotlight wonderfully. You gave everybody their opportunity. And you know, that, that shows again, speaks to, to me, the, the person you are, as well as the message you're trying to get out. And I think ebbs and flows, unfortunately, in this world right now, they're just going to be part of the game. You know, we're all going to have them. So, yeah, I, I think, where are you located in Wisconsin? Halfway between Milwaukee and Madison. So it's cold there. Have you thought about a warm weather climate? Yeah, you know, over the years, <laughs> I've made a, a lot of life decisions. And um, at the end of the day, family is kind of the, the most important thing. And I, I grew up here. My wife grew up here. So we went out to D.C. because we were tired of the Midwest. Uh, we both went mm -hmm. to college in the Midwest. We both grew up in the Milwaukee area. And, um, yeah, coming back here was, like, not logical at all in terms of building, like, a tennis uh, company. But thankfully, it's all almost all completely, like, remote. So, like, the value that I create and the value I'm able to deliver. Um, without the Internet, I there would be no business. Um, mm -hmm. And the content is still distributed widely enough that I'm coaching as much as I want to coach. I don't want to coach any more than I do. And frankly, that's about the only reason why we would need to move to like a more conducive climate is if, is if my business was built on the back of like me being on the courts, then we would need more like uh, immediately available, you know, humans like to step on the court with me. But that's just not the case for me, thankfully, because of the, the content. All right, Bobby, I'm going to hit him with King of Tennis if you're, uh, if you're good. Oh, this could go on a while. So yeah, let's. I know let's that's go. what I'm saying now. <laughs> I feel like we could just keep going, but yeah, let's just keep that? going. Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. All right. So Ian, my favorite question. I love it because we get some of the best ideas from some of the best people out there. My question to you is: 
if you were king of tennis, whatever it takes, if it's just in Wisconsin, if it's the entire world, if you're king of tennis, is there anything you would do or change? Yeah, and I'm sure you, you probably get a lot of answers to that question that are related to like the growth of the of the game. And my answer is not going to be as uh, is not going to be so altruistic. Um, it is altruistic. Like I I personally believe it would be for the dramatic benefit of the sport. I I'm not smart enough, and I'm not anywhere near close to the top enough to have any understanding of how to fix our like participation uh, problem or people going to pick a ball or anything like that. Um, but just based on my little corner of the sports and my little corner of uh, media in our sports and my little corner of like instructional like methodology, I feel like if I could snap my fingers and change one thing about the game, it would be the universal acceptance and even excitement of video being involved with the amateur game of tennis there for whatever reason I, I really can't explain it you guys are probably your tennis pros so you've probably been around golf at least a little bit video was adopted in the game of golf as far as uh, being a training aid a teaching aid a learning aid like 20 years ago and it blows my mind that my students still get looked at sideways for setting up their phone on a tripod to record themselves so that they can find out what the hell they're actually doing on the court. And because there's so much resistance and friction, and I don't know if it's like an ego thing or like, a, uh, I mean, part of it is like, oh, are you better like than us, you know, kind of thing. There's so much, and even co and coaches, like same thing. Uh, there's, we, we could talk about this for like two, three hours um, easily. I It blows my mind that, Video is not a normal part of a tennis lesson. And it blows my mind that video is not a normal part of playing tennis for tennis players. There's only upside in finding out like what is actually happening out there on the courts. The revelations that are available by being able to have a third party perspective besides your coach saying like, no, you didn't follow through. It's a whole other layer and level of understanding and insight when you actually see yourself move. And as a coach, it's a whole other layer of, of insight and understanding when you see your student in 200 frames a second and you realize that, oh, that weird jerky thing they're doing with their arm isn't happening until after they've actually hit the ball. So this has nothing to do with like their follow through. There's like something going on there that doesn't make sense. And the ability to explain that and actually target the right elements at the right times is severely limited when coaches don't even know what's happening on the other side of the courts. So if I, yeah, if I was king of tennis, I would snap my fingers and I would make video normal for the entire game on the instructional side, on the player side, and it would open the eyes. There's, there's like so much condescension and um, like, I, I keep losing to like worst players. There's like uh, game style, like shaming around like pushers and like um, people think they're so much better than they are. And they just have this like layer of uh, uh, this like separation between themselves and reality that makes it so hard for coaches to communicate with students. It makes it so student, so hard for students to receive messages from coaches. And if we could just wipe all that out and just all be on the same page, I feel like the game would be more accessible. It'd be more friendly. Um, people would be less judgmental. Uh, they'd be more accepting of other levels and other playing styles. 
and lessons would be would be more valuable. Uh, students would learn faster. Why why are we not doing this? I, wait, wait, I really don't Ian, you lost me. Are we talking about tennis? Or are we talking about life? <laughs> oh, dude, I, I mean, this that's kind of scary. suspiciously yeah. like life to me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I found Bobby's theme for the conversation. He's like, this sounds oh like God. life again. I, and plus, he he opened up Pandora's box again. Okay, I'm with you. Where where does it start? Where did tennis go? So, like you said, using golf as the the role model, the things that happen in golf that don't happen in tennis. Just this year, and we've spoken about this a thousand times, the worth of a PGA card as opposed to a USPTA, USPTR sponsorship, or, or certification, I'm sorry. You know, that is the, the problems are inherent in our industry, that our industry from the top down did not support us enough, came up with the formula, as you said, Ian, that they, they propagate and... It, you know, technology, let's just say technology across the board was so not a part of it. I remember, and again, it, we'll go back. I'll date myself on this. As you said about video, I was in a program, the first serious program I, I started to play when I was 12, they offered video with eight millimeter cameras. Excuse me. To the, to that's incredible. Dude, that's, if anybody I, knows what an eight so millimeter excited. camera is, and it was, it was unbelievably <laughs> exciting and like you said the worth of seeing yourself and i say this to my students all the time as a player who starts off older one of the things you miss out on so much is not just watching yourself watching other people and saying do i look like that because you, you, you don't have the time so you're trying to rush adults want to be told they're trying to catch up man i started late what do i do and so much so many of the times the simplest things go watch Go watch yourself. Like you said, it, my favorite line from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, again, dating myself, I'll remove the cause, not the symptom. You know, we all, we, we diagnose the symptom. What's the cause? And you're right. And it, it, it makes it interesting. But uh, like, as you said, this is, we can go on. So let's schedule them again next week, Sean. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll see you again tomorrow. Weekly we'll meeting. see you tomorrow. Bring lunch. <laughs> and... Uh, and I, again, I don't know if you've heard, there's 80,000 recreational tennis players here in Metro Atlanta. If you ever want to come down and spend a week, let's see if we can't uh, do an Ian tour. And, you know, I'm always into having other people hear different opinions because if, if you agree or, you know, it can't hurt. They're either going to agree with you, agree with what you're believing in, or they're going to go someplace else. Any of those three options makes your life easier. So I'm all for them. <laughs> Uh, well, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, really respect it a lot, especially as being in, people actually working from inside the industry. Again, like I really respect you guys a lot uh, for for giving people a look on the inside, what coaches are actually thinking, what they're actually feeling, what they're actually going through. Uh, peek behind the curtain, I think, is important for club uh, members, uh, people who are participating in the game. They need to be educated about how hard it is to do the job that you guys are doing. Uh, day to day and the challenges um, that are just inherent in in that career. Um, so thank you guys for doing what you're doing. And like I said before, I don't have any answers as far as like the big, big, big picture in tennis, but I'm always happy to um, to shoot the breeze and uh, and talk about what we're passionate about. So thank you for having me on the, the episode. I hope your your listeners really enjoy it. Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate.com for use of the studio. And be sure to hit that follow button. For more tennis-related content, you can go to atlantatennispodcast.com. 
And while you're there, check out our calendar of tennis events, the best deals on Technofiber products, tennis apparel, and more. If you're a coach, director of any racket sports, or just someone who wants to utilize our online shop, contact us about setting up your own shop collection to offer your branded merchandise to the Atlanta tennis world. And with that, we're out. See you next time.